0: Hi there, welcome to Roscast. It's Ros here bringing you the latest episode. Before I begin our reading, uh, just a few words to set the context. I've been thinking about our conversations about creativity and this led me back to a book I own as an interesting example I wanted to share with you. Back in 1972, a Welsh woman called Elaine Morgan, who had graduated in English Literature from Oxford, was enjoying a successful career as a freelancer for TV. She won various national and international awards, and her work included dramatized documentaries of scientists such as A.R. Wallace, G. Mendel, and Marie Curie. Like many of us, she was intrigued to read The Naked Ape in 1967, which was published by zoologist Desmond Morris. You no doubt know about this book. The aim of The Naked Ape was to make a knowledge about human evolution accessible to the average reader. Morris pointed out that humans were really just apes and dealt with why we're the only primate species to lack hair that covers our whole body. But despite the international success and acclaim that his book enjoyed, he was also subject to criticism, especially by feminists, for the way he took a male-centric view. For example, he credited hunting done only by the male of the species for developing and expanding human intelligence. In his view, women had little part to play other than to bear the next generation, and he completely ignored the role they played in gathering food and in setting up shelter. So Elaine Morgan decided to take him to task on this stance, and she published The Descent of Women, which is the book I own. She set out to question his arguments um, and to advance the aquatic ape theory pr- proposed by Alistair Hardy in 1960. Hardy had argued that a branch of apes were forced through competition to hunt for food on the seashore and seabed, which caused the human body to adapt to bipedalism and hairlessness. I really remember enjoying The Descent of Women very much and expounding on its theories in discussion with my friends. And I still have a copy on my bookshelf. I picked this up the other day to see whether it was an example of that creative connecting of ideas and wondered whether its arguments had stood the test of time. I was intrigued to see that it had been written about as recently as 2021 by an online magazine for the history and popular culture of science called Lady Science, which publishes a variety of voices and work on women and gender across the sciences. More on this publication later. Now I'm going to read you the article from Lady Science on Elaine Morgan's The Descent of Women. Morgan was a part-time screenwriter for the BBC living in the Welsh countryside when she picked up an intriguing book on human evolution from her local library. It was Desmond Morris's 1967 best-selling The Naked Ape, a zoologist's study of the human animal. Morgan was not a scientist. She had a degree in English from Oxford, which was rare for women at that time. But as she read it, she began to question his arguments. According to Morris, Humans' ape-like ancestors were cast out of the trees and onto the ground because of changes in climate. When the green food humans needed became scarce, they developed a taste for meat. To procure it more effectively, often while competing with bigger, more ferocious animals, they started walking on two legs, which was faster and let them see into the distance. Their hands were freed up so they could use tools. They started working together in hunting groups, which led to the development of language. Morgan thought Morris's assumptions were highly unscientific. For instance, she questioned the assumption that walking on two legs was faster than walking on four. But even more frustrating was the blatant sexism he, as well as other science writers such as Robert Ardrey and Conrad Lorenz, displayed. Their books presented males as the mighty hunters and females as dependent subordinates. They argued that females required the protection of the great male hunters and in exchange they became sexually receptive at all times, and adaptive, adapted attractive traits such as breasts and a swivelling walk. In response, Morgan wrote her book, The Descent of Women, in 1972. She argued against such claims, noting, for instance, that breast shape was for the benefit of feeding offspring, not male sexual pleasure. She also skewered the hunting-centred argument as illogical and sexist. It is high time this whole legend be exploded, Because it is not just a myth pure and simple, it is a political myth, Morgan wrote. It is used to bolster up with pseudo history and pseudo anthropology the belief that it is against nature for women to play a part in economic life. She presented an alternate history based on a marginalised and derided theory that humans were adapted to the water rather than land. In her version, when human ancestors were driven out of the trees and confronted with all the dangerous animals on land, a few of them were lucky enough to make it to lake beds or coastlines. There, they realised walking on two legs let them go further into the water where they could escape dangerous predators and gather food. The first use of tools was likely as simple as a pebble to crack open shellfish. The females in this setting could support themselves easily, even while caring for infants. Morgan said that it wasn't until after our early human ancestors had gone through this watery phase that they became equipped with a two-legged stance and the ability to use more complicated tools that allowed them to eventually adapt to a more terrestrial life. The Descent of Women became a bestseller in the US and her criticisms of the biases present in the books like Morris's resonated with people but hardly any serious scholar was nudged over to what they what came to be called the waterside hypothesis, hypothesis or aquatic ape theory. As the New York Times printed in a book review, the theory simply does not stand up. There were many reasons for this dismissal of her work. One was her feminist point of view. She drew, she drew a direct connection from the independence of shellfish-gathering females to women's natural participation in the workplace – She believed that the model of the stay-at-home wife was a recent creation and wasn't a product of the universal order, and she argued that more resources should be available for caring for children to enable women's economic participation. Some newspapers said that true scientific theory couldn't come from a place that was inherently biased. Others criticised her sardonic prose, which made her seem unserious, and others said she was engaging in poorly evidenced science. Understanding the reception of Morgan's work requires taking a step back. The hunting focused versions of humankind's evolution used more widely accepted scientific evidence to make their arguments, though they de emphasized the level of debate happening in cultural anthropology, primatology, and fossil research. Because they were so widely read, however, they became a dominant narrative that even influenced scientists. So when Morgan questioned these theories of evolution and employed evidence from a variety of disciplines, not all pure scientific fields, to support her arguments, many scientists pushed back. Morgan did note that the people in academia most interested in engaging with her were students, not professors. Melanie Viber, a Professor Emerita of Anthropology at the University of New Brunswick, wrote about how she was influenced by reading Morgan when she was a student in her book, Erect Men and Undulating Women. Open quotes. However little the academic community took her aquatic ape theory seriously, her book had the effect of demonstrating the flaws of simplistic functional explanations, as well as the deeply androcentric assumptions at work in Man the Hunter, Viber wrote. In my mind, the model never seemed reasonable again. Close quotes. In the decades after the success of her book, Morgan returned to her former quiet life, writing screenplays for the BBC. Academics, meanwhile, started to acknowledge more publicly the biases in popular evolutionary stories and began to work to revise them, especially as fossil evidence emerged that brought into question previous evolutionary theories. Scientists became more receptive to the idea that there wasn't one single cause behind the human character – whether it was an aquatic habitat or pair bonding or tool making. There were many cumulative changes, not a single transition, that made us what we are. Morgan's initial book, as well as her outsider's perspective, forced both scholars and the public to confront biases treated as fact. She didn't propose a totally coherent scientific theory, but she looked at the inherent biases in mainstream science and questioned why they were so ingrained and accepted. But when she decided to return to her science writing, she found the publishing environment had changed. The divide between popular science and academic science texts had grown, and scientists didn't feel responsible for responding to an amateur known for an irreverent writing style. In response, she rightfully called for scientists to engage more meaningfully with the public. She had attracted a group of followers, members of the public, who had also become irritated with scientists' unwillingness to engage with them. They represented the populist idea that the scientific elites had continuously failed to reckon with their mistakes and wouldn't engage with those outside of their closed academic system. Though Morgan died in 2013, her supporters continued to bolster her arguments about the aquatic nature of human evolution, more recently utilising evidence of early seafaring and migration along coastlines. Morgan's writing style wasn't so different from her work at the BBC, where she specialised in adapting classic literary works by intuiting characters' motivation and manner from the lines on the page to translate them for the TV screen. Similarly, she put herself in the place of early human ancestors to see if existing ideas about their survival strategies made sense. She was effective precisely because she didn't follow the usual genre expectations of science writing, which often focused on amplifying the work of only scientists. Instead, her approach to others' work was similar to literary criticism. Indeed, it was likely in her creative work as a screenwriter that she learned an important lesson about storytelling. If you're going to shake up a popular narrative, one of the best ways is to change the setting. In an interview with Lady Science, Sarah Hardy, an anthropologist and primatologist who helped correct the male-centred biases in her field, shared fond feelings about Morgan. Some of it was out there, she said, but some of it made sense, and as I say, the questions she asked needed asking, and of course, she was one of the first to emphasise that evolutionists needed to pay more attention to Darwinian selection pressures on mothers and also infants. Hooray for that! So, as mentioned in the article, Elaine Morgan went on to drop the feminist criticism stance, perhaps wanting to present a more neutral approach which might be taken more seriously by the academic world. She wrote a series of books between 1982 and 2008, The Aquatic Ape, The Scars of Evolution, The Descent of the Child and The Aquatic Ape Hypothesis and The Naked Darwinist. I haven't read any of these, but I do still have my copy of The Descent of Women, if you'd like to borrow it. A final note on Lady Science, which launched in 2014 to give a voice to women scientists. After establishing an extensive and appreciative readership over seven years, they were forced to close only last year for lack of funding. I'll send a link to the reasons for this and from there you can explore some of their content, all archived and still accessible through their site, um, including the article I read. And also uh, the rather intriguing reasons why they chose the name Lady Science. That's all for now. Bye.